Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. I wonder if there's anybody hungry for the presence of God here tonight. Come on, and anybody in Toronto, Canada, hungry for the presence of God? Anybody come for an encounter with the real, living, true God? Come on, is there anybody in the Toronto area that came with expectation that God's going to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine? Come on, is there a generation that's crying out for the presence of God? I didn't come from California to play church. I came to have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and if you can to have an encounter with his presence. Somebody shout amen. Woo, Toronto, Toronto. I don't know if you're ready, but hit your neighbor and say, neighbor, get ready. Hit your other neighbor, your second choice neighbor. Say, second choice neighbor, get ready. Get ready. Well, why don't you remain standing for just a few moments as just want to read this scripture to you as we get ready to receive from God's word. How many of you believe that the word of God is alive and active? I've been preaching ever since I was 16, and I can tell you none of my words ever changed anybody's life. But every single time the word of God is preached, the Bible says this, it cannot return void. That means when he sends out his word, he watches over it to perform it, and he's going to do something in your life tonight. You may have come here disappointed, disillusioned, and discouraged, but I came with the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. The word of God is going to shift something and change something in your life tonight. And I really believe this. I believe I'm here on assignment. I'm just so excited to be with you. I'm so excited to experience the hunger in the room just feel like there's such a hunger for the presence of God, that, that, that we're just done playing games. We're done going through the motions, just doing church services. I, don't, I just don't want to go through the Sunday service motion anymore. I want to encounter his presence. I'll tell you what, it wasn't a Sunday service that changed my life but a real encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed everything. I grew up in church. I heard every sermon. But when God meets you, where you are, wherever you're at, whether you're here tonight and you've been in church your whole life or you came in skeptical, cynical, wondering, I don't know about this God stuff, doesn't intimidate him at all. He's chasing after you. His presence is here to meet with you. Do you believe that? I want to read to you out of the book of 1 Kings. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If not, it's going to be on the screen behind me. 1 Kings chapter 18. It says this, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees. He prayed 
and he interceded. He groaned and he travailed that a move of God might be released in a generation. That a city and a nation plagued by drought, a desert land, would once again receive the rain of heaven. Come on, anybody believing that the rain of the Spirit of God would be poured out on the Toronto area and all of Canada, that we would see a great and mighty revival rise up in this generation. I know what culture says. I know what they say on TV. But my God says a move of God, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself. He looked at his servant. He said, go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Sometimes when you look the first time, you don't see it. Sometimes when you look the second time, you don't see it. Sometimes when you come to episode three, you don't see it. Episode four, you don't feel it. Episode five, I'm just not sensing it. Episode six, where is it? But sometimes on the seventh time, Sometimes when you go again, sometimes when you say, God, I'm willing to obey even when I don't feel it in my emotions, I'm going to walk in faith. The just will live by faith. I'm not going to live by my feelings. I'm going to live by what the Word of God says. Something begins to shift. He said, go up again on the seventh time. Behold, a little cloud the size of a man's hand is rising from the sea. So he said, go up, Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. You can't stop a move of God even if you try. I want you to know you can't stop a move of God, but you can miss it. I pray we don't miss it tonight. I pray God has our full attention. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I don't know where you're at tonight, but I believe that I'm in good company coming all the way from California. That even here in Canada, it can sometimes feel like a dry and weary land. Come on, we've been waiting for gatherings like this. We've been waiting to worship like this. Unrestrained, unrestricted, just hands lifted, voices shouting high to the presence of our king. But, but sometimes even in this place, it can feel like a dry and weary land. I came to prophesy to you tonight. I came to declare the word of the Lord over you. And here it is. The drought is over. The drought is over. So here's what I want you to do. On your way to your seats, I want you to high-five five people and tell them, get ready for the rain. Go ahead and high-five five people. Tell them, get ready for the rain. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The rain is coming. I see a cloud. The Holy Spirit's moving. The drought is over. Well, welcome to the River Canada, Toronto. Are you excited to be here? I'm excited to be here. This is my first time in Canada ever. I'm, really, I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, as soon as we came in, it was a blizzard. Or to us, Californians, it was a blizzard. To y'all, this is like, this is nothing. But as soon as we got in, we were ready to get some Tim Hortons. Any Tim Horton fans? I thought I'd get more of a cheer for Tim Hortons. Is there something else I'm missing? Is there another coffee place that's better? Starbucks? Y'all can't say that. Y'all got a rep. Haven't had any poutine yet. Should I get some on my way out? Okay. We uh, coming from Sacramento, California. Anybody ever been to California before? 
Whenever I tell people that are not from California that I'm from California, they think I'm from like Orange County where the weather is perfect all the time. I'm not from Orange County, I'm from Sacramento and it gets to like 120 degrees Fahrenheit there. So it's not the same as Southern California. Uh, but God's really doing an incredible thing. Been in Sacramento for the past six years, pastoring a church called E2 Church. We've got ties to this really cool church called Elevation Church. I don't know if you guys know them, but really cool place. And I'm married to my wife. Her name is Trin. We've been married for almost four years now, and we're just loving life together and doing ministry together, and we're really seeing a move of God uh, in Sacramento. But I am just excited to be in Canada. I'm excited to be here with you. I've been hearing about the river. I want to know if the hype is real. Is the hype real here at the river? Toronto, you got to give me some good stories to come back to California and tell them I'm moving to Canada. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But California is an interesting place. Uh, if you've ever been there, if you know anything about California, it's got a lot of landmass. And in that entire landmass, we've been in uh, a consistent drought for years and years and years. In the midst of all these different climates, there's one thing in common. We don't get a lot of rain. And not only do we not get a lot of rain, we've not really built any infrastructure to retain the rain that we actually get. How many of you know leadership matters? And so sometimes it's, it's a struggle. When, when, when we get the rain, we can't keep the rain. And so our entire state for years and years has been in a statewide drought. We have fire hazards, and, and we lack water. We've got to reserve our water. And so this is what California looks like or has looked like for the past few years. Every single area in California has been in a drought, but most of California has been in an extreme drought, absolutely dry. And uh, in January of this year, something crazy happened. We had like an entire month of rain. Now, that's super abnormal for us. In Sacramento, we are used to, like, sunny weather all the time. It rains maybe two weeks out of the year. Californians, we don't know how to handle any type of rainy weather. We get super depressed. We're like, where's the sun? We need the sun. And so for an entire month, a monsoon hit the entire state of California. It rained nonstop. And, and I did some research. I found out that in the month of January, get ready for this, 25 trillion gallons of water dumped on the state of California. What's really cool about this is that after all of that rain poured down, this is what the map looks like now after all the rain. Not one area, it's actually even changed since this picture, not one area in California is in extreme drought. Somebody say, the drought is over. Come on, it is an absolute miracle in our state that we've seen this complete transformation. But some of us didn't like the rain. We were ready for the sun to come out, ready to go outside again, get some vitamin D. And I have people in my church all the time, Pastor, this rain is depressing. It's annoying. I'm tired of all this rain. A lot of people annoyed at the inconvenience of the rain. But there were some people that were not very annoyed. They were actually excited about this rain. There's a lot of farmers in Sacramento and in California that were really excited about this rain. And the reason why they were excited about this rain is because for years they've seen the need for rain. See, when you don't understand the need, rain is a nuisance. It's annoying. But when you understand how dry 
and how weary it's been. Come on, when you understand how desperately you need the rain, when the rain finally comes, what other people see as a nuisance, come on, River, when other people see it as annoying, as an inconvenience, as ridiculous. Come on, some people have said about the river, that's ridiculous that y'all would gather with all those lights and that, and that fog. Come on, what's with all the fog? But some of us understand the need, the spiritual drought that we've been in in this nation. But how many of you know that God is beginning to pour out the rain of his presence? Revival is right around the corner. I believe it's breaking out. And I believe it's about to start here at the river. If you believe that, say amen. I believe that what happened in the natural, even in California, is just a sign of what God is doing in the spirit. I really believe in Toronto and in this region, God is ending the drought of spiritual dryness and decay that has plagued this city and plagued this region for years. In fact, I was praying for you this week, and as I prayed for you, I asked the Lord, God, what do you want to do at the river? What do you want to do in Toronto? And I heard these words from the Lord just in my prayer time in my spirit. I heard the Lord say, I want to release the blessing over Toronto. I, I'm all about revival. I want revival. And I'm, has God ever said something to you and you were like, that's not what I wanted you to say? Maybe, can you speak again? Maybe I wasn't getting it clearly, you know. He said, I want to release the blessing over Toronto. I, I didn't understand that. I sat on it. Yesterday as I was texting with Pastor Ryan, saying, you know, really believe that God wants to release the blessing over Toronto. God reminded me of revivals that have hit this region in the past. There's a revival called the Toronto Blessing. And God began to speak to me that there's a new revival he wants to release in this generation, in this region. It's not going to look like the one in the past. It's going to be something new. Come on, behold, God is doing a new thing in this area. I wonder if there's anybody that's ready for the revival God wants to release in this region. It's going to start here. It's going to burn throughout this area. I believe we're standing in a moment where God is turning his attention toward Toronto and the greater Toronto area. And he's saying, I'm ready to release the blessing on Toronto, the blessing on this region, the blessing on this campus. There's going to be an awakening that happens. Woo! Hit your neighbor, say, get ready. And it's such an honor to be here, just such an honor to steward with Pastor Ryan. Pastor Lindsay are, are leading here. Can you just give it up for your leaders, for those who are pioneering this movement? I always say you're standing in somebody else's sacrifice. And that's what we're in right now. And I believe that we're pulling on the wells of revival. I, I want to talk about this story because we, we say a lot of things in church that if you're, how many of you, you grew up in church? You're a church kid. Come on, VeggieTales fans. All, let me see you. You know the theme song backwards and forwards, right? We say things in church that like we get, but if you're not from church, you're like, what are you talking about? We call it Christianese. You know, it's the language of Christians, right? We say things like, I'm going to be covered in the blood. And like, if you're a Christian, you get that. But if you're not a Christian, you're like, covered in what? Where am I? <laughs> so we talk about revival. We talk about rain. What are we talking about? What does the Bible say about rain? Whenever we see rain, for the most part in Scripture, rain is a representation of the blessing of God's divine favor and presence upon a people, region, or city. 
I believe in this story, as we're talking about Elijah praying for rain, it's not just a physical representation of precipitation falling upon a people, but it's really a spiritual representation of God's presence returning once again to a people who would humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God, turn away from their sins and turn towards Jesus. Rain represents God's divine provision where there has been lack and poverty. Rain represents God's favor where there has been famine and frustration. It represents God's blessing where there has been bondage and curses. It represents God's presence where there has been pain and persecution. This is the reign of revival we're talking about. We see it all throughout not only church history, we see it all throughout biblical history. Revivals that have broken out. Y'all remember Jonah and the big fish? Not a whale, a big fish, Jonah. And, and he was swallowed up by the big fish just because he didn't want to go preach to Nineveh because he knew that God was so kind and so merciful that if he just preached the word of the Lord, an entire city could be saved in a day. So he ran from the calling, but finally God recalibrated him to his calling and to his message. Some of you are running tonight, but God's chasing after you. Can I tell you, he runs faster than you do. He's going to catch up to you. And as soon as he preaches the word of the Lord, an entire city turns to God. That's revival. Nehemiah rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. This happens in an accelerated and expedited amount of time. It should have taken years, and it only took them months. Why? Because there was a move of God. That's what happens in revival. Things that would take years take just weeks. That's the story of the river, isn't it? Thought we'd see maybe 500 people by the end of the year, maybe, hopefully. And what, what was it around week five or week three or something like that? 800 people showing up, hungry, Canadians ready for the presence of God. I mean, this is revival. I don't know if you know this. Just look around. This is revival. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. Revival is God's response to the cries of his people the prayers of his people. And that's why I'm here. I'm not here to do another church service. I'm not here to impress you. I want to leave you with something because I believe God wants to do something significant in this area in your life. And I believe some of us were living in a dry and weary land. You've been praying and you've been worshiping, but it feels like a desert in your soul. Feels like no matter how hard you try, no matter how many times you come to church, you just cannot experience that breakthrough. Friend, can I tell you, when God's revival pours out upon you, you can't stop it. Revival is when God takes the spiritual defibrillator to your soul and shocks you with life in the spirit. In a moment, it can take a moment, what would take normally years. Psalm 85, verse 6 and 7, the psalmist says, would you not revive us again? that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love and grant us your salvation. Just a, few just a few verses later in verse 12, he says, yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. This is what happens when a move of God hits a region and a city. The people rejoice. You don't have to twist their arm to come to church. You don't have to try to convince them to get to the river. People are just hearing about the testimonies of what God is doing. They say, I want what you got. I don't know what it is, but I need what you have. You say, come with me. God's moving. If he did it in my life, he can do it for you. If he's done it before, he can do it again. But friend, I want you to understand something. You can't receive the rain until you realize your need for resurrection. 
some of us, I don't know that we've gotten there yet. But tonight, I pray that my breaking down of this scripture can help you come to a place of revelation. Really, what God is trying to bring us to is a place of repentance to recognize our desperate need for Jesus. Just a few months ago, my wife and I, we bought a new home, and we were so excited to move into this house. We'd been living in this tiny little apartment, and, uh, and so this was our first real home, and we're so excited to move in. We saw the pictures on Zillow. Y'all have Zillow out here? I say these things as if Americans, man. <laughs> we got that. We got Zillow. We're looking at pictures on Zillow, and oh, we're falling in love just looking at the pictures. And then when we show up in person, it's even more beautiful than we thought. We were so swept up, we made an offer. It happened so fast. But how many of you know, sometimes what seems to be beautiful on the outside doesn't always represent what's happening on the inside. And so as we began to move in, we started to find thing after thing breaking, thing after thing falling apart. What we didn't realize was, as though it looked beautiful on the outside, there was rot on the inside. And sometimes we look at our lives or we look at everybody else and it looks so great and it looks so spiritual. We lift our hands and we sing the songs and, oh man, there's another one in the fire. That's my jam. We dance and we sing and we shout and it looks so great. But you know what the Word of God does? The Word of God is a home inspection. It goes beyond the outside, and it begins to reveal the secret hidden things on the inside. And sometimes God needs to expose our desperate need on the inside. And tonight, I really don't want to preach this story as much as I want to preach the context of this story, because what you need to understand is that chapter 18, the praying for rain, had a journey to get there. And it all starts in chapter 16 of 1 Kings chapter 16. A man named Ahab becomes king. He becomes elevated into power. And the Bible tells us that Ahab was not only an ungodly man, he was worse than all those who came before him. The Bible says that Ahab was so evil, he marries a woman named Jezebel. Y'all ever heard of this woman? He marries Jezebel. He builds altars to Baal and false gods. But not only that, the Bible actually says he provokes the Lord. Anybody have a younger sibling that would provoke you? I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm that's the language that's used for Ahab. You know what that means? Ahab knew better, but he did it anyway. He was an evil king, and not only was he evil, he led Israel into more and more evil, into some of the darkest days that Israel had ever experienced. I wonder if we can relate with that, the darkness of our culture. Come on, we've all got that one friend that always talks about how dark it is, always talks about how bad culture is. Can I tell you, no matter how dark culture gets, it never changes the brightness of the kingdom of God. And here's what I've learned about Jesus. The darker the world gets, the light, the brighter the light shines. And it's in the darkest seasons of our culture that revival begins to burn. It's on the backside of culture falling into sin that God shows up and says, I got a remnant, I got a righteous generation. That's going to raise up a move of God. Friend, don't be discouraged by the darkness. You are the light. The Bible says the light of the world lives in you. Don't hide it any longer. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I know it's the power of God unto salvation. 
But Israel begins to slip into darkness. And chapter 17, Elijah the prophet predicts a drought. He says it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. That's some authority right there. I ain't got that kind of boldness. <laughs> I'm still be honest. He says it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And in this time frame, we don't know exactly how long it was, but we know that years and years go by, there's a drought in that land. Everybody is having to pay for the evil of this ungodly king. But there's something happening in chapter 17 that just blows my mind. Because if you read it, in the midst of this drought, it tells the story of Elijah meeting this widow and her son. He first goes to her house and they have no food left because of this drought. They're about to die. They said, leave us. Leave us to our death. And yet, God provides for them. We don't know how long it was later, but eventually he comes back to this widow's house and the son has died. And, and Elijah shows up and he says, not on God's watch. And all of a sudden, this little boy who was dead, Elijah raises him from the grave. And what I want you to know is this. Why does God put these stories in the context of the drought? It's because he wants us to know that while Baal is letting his people die and go hungry, God will always provide for his people. And in the midst of culture, in a depression, God will provide for you. Don't be afraid of what the newscasters say. Don't be afraid of what's going on around you. God will make a way, even if he's got to send a prophet all the way to your land. I just believe somebody by the end of this is going to have this testimony. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I know what's going on out there, but you don't know what's going on in here. I got rivers of living water. All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Chapter 18. The drought is so bad, King Ahab sends Obadiah, who the Bible says is a young, godly man. He feared the Lord greatly. And he sends Obadiah out to go search for water. What's ironic about this is that God has already told Ahab, it's not going to rain, you're not going to find any water. Yet Ahab tried to do it in his own way and with his own strategy anyway. Any of us can relate to that? Come on, God gave you a word. You heard the message a few weeks ago. God told you what to do. You read the scriptures, but we still insist on doing things our way. Sometimes God has to get you to a place where it's so dry and you're so desperate that the only thing you can do is run to him. And I believe I'm speaking to somebody here tonight. God has dried up a stream in your life to lead you back to the right source. Some of you, you've been drawing from a relationship that took the place of God in your life. And you found your confidence and identity in that significant other. And the Lord has allowed that stream to dry up so he can redirect you back to the presence of God. Some of you, you had a stream of income that you relied on for years. And your faith was not in your provider. Your faith was in your paycheck. And God says, I will not let anybody take that place in your life except for me. And he's allowed a stream in your life to dry up to lead you back Come on, how many of you have had Siri say, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating? God is recalculating you. But some of us, we've gotten to a place of desperation in our lives and we don't know what to do. Can I tell you tonight? The drought is a setup for desperation. The drought 
is a setup for desperation. What do you do when you're desperate? Anybody ever made some bad decisions when you were desperate? Bad dating decisions when you were desperate? Come on, Canada. Let's get honest here today. Some of you are sitting next to that bad decision. Don't hit your neighbor on that one. Don't hit him. You know what I've learned about desperation? Desperation forces you to make decisions. It forces you to do something because we don't want to stay in that state of desperation. As human beings, we want to feel comfortable. We want to feel provided for. So it's in that place of desperation you have a decision to make. Will you, in your desperation, wrestle with God like Jacob did to receive the blessing that he has promised you? Or will you respond like Esau and trade your birthright for a bowl of stew? How many of you, oh, do I ask this question? How many of you are sitting next to a bowl of stew right now? (laughs) In your desperation, you settled for something this world could provide, but not waiting for the thing that God promised you. I came to tell you there is a promise over your life. There is a God thing, not just a good thing. And if you would allow desperation to drive you into the presence of God, he will provide. But but King Ahab decides to do it his own way. And he tries to look for water with his own strategy. And whenever we allow desperation to lead us in the wrong direction, my friends, I want you to know it will only lead to God's discipline in our lives. See, when we reject God's invitation for desperation, we reveal our unreadiness for rain. The ground of our hearts is too hard to receive that rain and retain that rain. Therefore, before rain can come to refresh and renew, God must first send fire. And this is exactly what happens in chapter 18. Y'all remember the showdown on Mount Carmel? Elijah and the prophets of Baal. He says, you bring all your prophets, I'll come by myself. You call upon your God, I'll call upon my God. And we'll see whose God is real. Ask Baal to send down fire from heaven. They dance and they cry. They're doing crazy stuff. The Bible says they're cutting themselves. Elijah's having fun with it. He's making fun of him. He's like, I think Baal might be on the toilet. Maybe he can't hear you. Nothing happens because that God is dead. He says, let me show you something. Let me call on the name of Yahweh. Let me call on the name of Jehovah. And with one mention of his name, fire falls from heaven, licks up the altar, and then all those prophets of Baal die. You know what I've learned? Sometimes when I'm not ready for rain, God first has to send fire. Anybody been through the fire this year? Oh, I know it's only February, but some of us, we've been through the fire. We're walking through some fire that that if we're be honest, it's because we decided to do things in our own strength and with our own strategy. God wants to release his rain upon your life, but if you're not ready to receive that rain, he's got to break up the ground, the hardness of our hearts to be able to get us ready to receive what he has to give for us. And I want to encourage somebody here, you're walking through the fire right now. God's getting you ready for rain. 
God's getting you ready for rain. Once you've received the fire in your life that, that shows that you're, you're ready for rain. And it was in this place we finally come, verse 41 in chapter 18, as we started this. It says that Elijah says to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there's the sound of the rushing of rain. After the fire came and destroyed the false prophets and the false gods, now it's time for rain to hit the ground. Ahab says, this is, or, uh, Elijah says to Ahab, I want you to go up and I want you to watch what's about to happen. God is about to prove his greatness. He's about to restore everything that was lost. Everything the enemy stolen, he's about to restore it tenfold. Watch as God pours out the rain. And he says, I hear a sound. Somebody say, there's a sound. Hit your neighbor, say, there's a sound. Hit your other neighbor, say, I hear a sound. I want you to know this. The sound is a sign in your life. I was watching this TikTok the other day. I don't know why people laugh when I say that. <laughs> I was watching this TikTok the other day, and it was this video of this young girl and her mom, and they're in this car, and I think it was in Oklahoma in the States, and this tornado was coming down the road right in front of them. And watching their reactions was incredible. The daughter is freaking out. Ah! freaking out. She's scared out of her mind. The tornado, you can see it rushing right in front of them. And as she's screaming and crying, the mother, you would think, as a mama, she's freaking out too. I mean, her daughter's right there next to her. But her mom's reaction was completely opposite. She's, wow! Oh my goodness, look at that! Wow! I think when the sound of God's presence begins to rush in, there's a variety and a diversity of reactions. Some of us, we freak out. Oh, that's that weird stuff. Woo. I don't know if I'm about that. And there are some of us, we begin to lean in with excitement because we hear the sound and we know exactly what that sound means. God is on the move. Rain's about to fall. I can hear the sound and it's a sign God's about to do something in my life. I hear a sound of revival. I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sound of a shift. And some of you right now, I want you to know, you're hearing the sound of shifting in your life. Things are changing. Relationships are falling off. Careers are redirecting. And I want you to know the sound is a sign that God's about to move. It's not a sound of destruction. It's a sound of refreshing. It's a sound of renewal. God is pouring out his spirit. I hear this sound all over the nation, all over the earth. What's happening, what has happened in Asbury, what's happening in college campuses all across America, all across the world, there's a sound of revival that's beginning to stir. And I believe we are on the edge of the greatest awakening our generation has ever seen. It's right around the corner. But I want to I close with this. The sound is not just an announcement from God. It's not just an announcement that God is moving. It's an invitation for us to partner with that move. Because if we don't partner with that move, listen, you can't stop a move of God, but you can't miss it. And my prayer for us tonight is that we would not miss what God is doing in this place. You wouldn't miss it. It wouldn't pass you by, but, but that you would become aware. Verse 41, Elijah says to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. For there's the sound of the rushing of rain. 
So Ahab went up, he ate and drank, but Elijah went up and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Two very different responses to the release of rain. Hear me, generation. The word of the Lord for your life is that the drought is over and the rain is coming. But hear me, the word requires a womb. My wife, she loves to garden. And she, she's got all these seeds right now. It's, she's getting ready for the springtime. And if you come into our house, we have this one little corner of the house that's surrounded by windows. And she's got all these seeds all over this room. It's driving me nuts. I just want it clean, but she's got seeds everywhere. Some of them are in soil. Some of them, I saw this plate the other day, just seeds on a plate. Like, what are we supposed to do with this? You know what I realized? Those seeds have everything inside of them that they need to become the plant that will bear much fruit. But until those seeds are placed in soil, they sit there dormant. And there's a word over your life, but the word of God is a seed. Even Jesus refers to this in the Gospels, that it is a seed that must be planted in the soil of good hearts, ready to receive from God. And I wonder if we hear the word and we celebrate the word and we shout down the word, but we're not willing to place that word in the womb of prayer. Ahab goes up, and he does what most of us do after the river. We eat and we drink. Come on, anybody go out to eat after a good worship service? I mean, that's what we do, y'all. But Elijah said, no, 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 I understand something about revival. It doesn't happen because people spectate. It happens because somebody is willing to intercede. Somebody is willing to get on their knees and on their face in the presence of God and begin to pray what nobody else is willing to pray. You heard your pastor talk about this in Chronicles. If my people called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Come on, I believe Toronto needs some healing. Canada needs some healing. God's promise, the word is sore over the city. But will we be willing to pray and create the womb? for the Word of God to be released. I want everybody to stand to their feet tonight. What's your response to God's promise for rain? I don't know if you're stirred like I'm stirred, but I'm so stirred by the Word of the Lord, the things that are happening across the world, across the globe. The harvest is ripe. It's ready. Revival is as close as your hand, the question is, will we be the womb that the Word of God can grow in? Elijah understood this. Somebody has to pray. Somebody has to believe. It says in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Prayer is not a work, it's faith of laying down our works and saying only by your grace, only by a move of your spirit, not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of God. 
But let me tell you, every single revival in church history has been marked by two properties, prayer and repentance, hunger and change. And I just wonder if there's a generation that's so hungry in this place tonight that says, I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to seek the face of God. You know what I love about Elijah? He began to pray on behalf of people. Elijah was the prophet. He was the righteous man. And yet the righteous man was willing to say, forgive our sin. Heal my land. Why? Because there's no place for pride in prayer. We're all at the same level at the foot of the cross. When we come to the feet of Jesus, we all need his grace. But hear me, the church and the believer is the birthplace for revival in the earth. It must come through prayer. I believe the drought is over. The word is sure. But just because he spoke the word doesn't mean that it just automatically happens. Every single time God has chosen to partner with his people, he said, will you pray? So I came here all the way from California to ask this question tonight. Will you pray? Will you pray like you've never prayed? Will you worship like you've never worshiped before? Will you seek the face of God? Will you press into the presence? My job tonight was simply this, just to stir some hunger, to stir some expectation, to stir a desire in your heart to know what's possible. God wants to do something so significant in this region. I wonder if we're willing to pray. If you're in this place right now and you're willing to pray, you're willing to be the birthplace of revival, would you just lift your hands in this place as we begin to worship again? I want us to come into a place of radical seeking after the presence of God, radical seeking after the face of Jesus Christ. Right now, God, we ask, Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. Would you do what you've done before? Come and do it again. God, we repent and we turn from our wicked ways. We turn from the sin that's so easily entangled. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. We create a highway of prayer and a highway of praise in the atmosphere of presence. God, would you release revival? Come on, let's just begin to worship. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. In the mighty name of Jesus.